hello and uh, good morning, everyone. Welcome to uh, What Divines Us. I guess it's morning for us, Matt, but it's not necessarily morning for our listeners. Who That's true. <laughs> yeah, it's whatever time they want it to be when they're listening to this. But for us, it's a rare recording in the morning. It's 8.30. We've got our kids sent off to their schools. We do. And our schedules, as is common with clergy, our schedules just went all wonky and sideways. And so we, here we are in the morning. Yes, yes. I'm really, I'm always, I'm always offering like a small prayer that podcast is a auditory medium, mm-hmm. you know, because people can see me right now. I feel like I feel bed raggled and, you know, <laughs> so it's nice that people can hear me, but not That's see true. me, you know. Well, actually, since it's early in the morning, we should put on our NPR voices. <laughs> I don't even know. I listen to a lot of ASMR, but I don't even know how to do that. No, nah, like, I don't either. You gotta like pop your peas or something. And, and <laughs> Anyways, Matt, uh, it's nice. It's nice uh, being here with you, Matt, uh, for another episode of What Divines Us. Uh, we have a lot of things on the agenda for this particular episode. Uh, where should we start? I think we're going to start with something short um, here that I just learned yesterday. So my uncle Steve, who goes by a pseudonym online, I'm not sure exactly why, but he's in a band. He's a bass player. My uncle is super Ooh, cool dude. Cool. Yeah, he's this awesome guy. I've always loved Uncle Steve. Um, of course, but. Um, he reached out to me online. He often does some cool photos with our family photos. He just retouches them and, and artistically kind of uh, puts puts filters in and stuff. And he knows I really appreciate that. So he sent me some. When his mom, my nana, when she passed away, Uncle Steve started going through a bunch of the old photos. And with that, some old family records. So he reached out to me and let me know that I have a great, great grandpa. And he sent me a photo of him, which is I'm, very I'm cool. I'm pretty confident we all have great, great grandpas. I for. suppose we all have <laughs> eight, right? No, we all have four great, great grandpas. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know much about them on that side of the family. I've been doing Ancestry.com, but there's just more information on my dad's side. So sure. I've followed that yeah. back to like the 1600s. Oh, cool. And it's really fun. Yeah, it goes way into the, the deep, dark mountains of Germany, which I'm pretty sure we are in some like sort of uh, Brothers Grimm fairy tale land in my ancestry. <laughs> but um, on my mom's side, there was less uh, information. So I learned about my great-great-grandpa on my mom's side. His name is Abraham Harrison, <laughs> and he was the first Jewish mayor of Johnstown, New York. A- a- what's Abraham Harrison. Harrison. Okay. Yeah. Right. So I have not yet logged back on to um, Ancestry because I let that membership lapse because it's not cheap, you know. No. So I was like, I noticed I hadn't been on in a while, so I quit paying. But I'm going to have to re-up it again and get back on there and dig. Find this guy. Because Uncle Steve also sent me like like part of a family tree that had some names that I didn't, I, I don't think I had had previously. So I'll be able to fill some stuff in there and get some more info on that side. I'm psyched to hand that off to my kids someday because I love would love to have them know more about that as we as we move on. But um, it had been part of our family story that part of our heritage was Jewish. I just had never seen evidence of it before. Ah. You know, like a lot of people, <laughs> the whole Elizabeth Warren thing where she claimed – Native American ancestry, but she was like, well, it turned out that was just family lore. <laughs> you know? So so we didn't know. Same here, but now we have proof that I am Jewish, so you can't teach me nothing anymore, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, like our first episode, you mentioned that it's matrilinear, right? Well, it was. I mean, we don't, I mean, in the Reform Movement, we, we consider patrilineal descent to be also fine. Oh, okay. But and I guess traditionally is, it was matrilineal descent, yeah. This was passed down from my mom's side, but oh. obviously Abraham is male, so I don't know how that works. This is actually system. kind of a problem. Problem and not, and I, I, I'm going to say it's a good problem uh, that we have in Judaism. Where I can't tell you how often I get a phone call where some random person says, "Hey, you know, I just got my DNA checked, for yeah. and I discovered that I'm like 45% Ashkenazi Jew." You know, wow. like, I really want to explore those right. those roots, and I'm like, "Well, welcome to Judaism," is nice. what I tell them. <laughs> um, but the question is, like, do they have to convert first or yeah. not convert? Because as you just pointed out, a, a component of being Jewish is being born Jewish. And so if you suddenly realize that you were born Jewish when you thought you were not your whole life, yeah. the question is, are you Jewish? Do you get retroactively Judaized? <laughs> does, that, does that mean like, yeah, I, yeah. shoot, I'm like 40 years late on my bar mitzvah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you really are. Uh, but uh, but the reality- You can send cash donations too. <laughs> Yeah, it's about the. Everyone knows it's about the party. Yeah, you really, you missed the party. Yeah, yeah. Well, I will throw one. We leave. We leave tonight for vacation, so I will make sure to 
celebrate my bar mitzvah, bar mitzvah on the party. beach. Yeah. Yes. Great. Good for you. I will find a bar. Right. It'll be a, a highlight. It'll be a literal bar mitzvah. I'll be at some, some beachside bar. Right, right. Uh, yeah, t- uh, bar mitzvahs are usually a, a non-alcoholic affair, you know, traditionally. Well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm not an Orthodox Jew, my friend. Uh, <laughs> as, and, as an ordained Christian minister, I'm about un, as unorthodox as possible for Judaism. But no, it is a fun problem. Like, everyone kind of tackles it differently. Uh, and so a lot of people who, who come to me who want to explore Judaism and decide they really like it, they usually say, I want to go through the conversion process because yeah. I know nothing about Judaism. Right. And right. I need to learn. And so we usually ha- go through a conversion process anyways with them. Yeah. But some of them say, I, I feel like, you know, I don't need to. And I'm like, well, technically, by those standards set aside by Judaism, you are Jewish. I would encourage you to learn more about your religion, you know. Sure, sure. Uh, but yeah. That's uh, very, that's fascinating. Now, you also mentioned, I know you just threw the number out there, but you said 45%. Whereas here... Given how many great great grandparents, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that's the level of sixteen people in that yeah. tier, right? So I'm at the most one sixteenth. Although I don't know who he married, his his <laughs> wife may have been Jewish. You gotta go. So you I got. I've got, got to reopen your entry.com account I do, there. I you totally got some work do. to do. I Maybe do. you can do it on vacation. Because huh? that could bring me up to one eighth. I, I could <laughs> oh, be one eighth Jewish. Heck yes. Nice. Look at you. Yeah. So I'm yeah. six feet tall. So that would give me about like. Like less than one foot of being Jewish. Nice. What are you going to do with that foot of Judaism, I wonder? I guess it depends if it's the top or the bottom. (laughs) If my head is Jewish, I might have to make some changes to my theology. If it's my feet... What does that mean? I'm well, trying to think of a good Jewish foot joke, and it all sounds terribly inappropriate. Well, the thing is about Judaism is that we, we believe on our feet, right? Like, we don't care about what you think about. We care about what you do. Whoa! I love yeah. that phrase. You yeah. believe on your feet. Did yeah. you just make that up, or is that a is that an old chestnut? I don't know. It's 8.30 in the morning, Matt. I'm just... <laughs> I can't... Yeah. That's a I'm sermon in a box about, right there, right? man. Yeah. That's... Yeah. Uh, hold up. Uh, you'll hear me typing, everybody. <laughs> So I'll type in, we believe on our feet. All right, yeah. I will steal that later. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. So those of you who maybe listen to my sermons, uh, you'll hear that in the future, and I probably won't even credit Abram. I'll just act like I made it up. I, I say it, all fair, love, war, and sermon writing. <laughs> so you, well, you, you take that, Matt. Thank fine. you for indulging me in talking about my great-great-grandpa Abraham. We were really close, and... <laughs> I remember sitting sitting at his feet and learning all about the the, the, the long history of my Jewish roots. That's actually honestly there are lots of descriptions of disciples sitting at famous Jewish scholars' yeah. feet. So yep. you well 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 said. There are aspe- there are elements in the gospels as well where references made to that. And if you didn't know that fact that you just mentioned, it might sound like an insult at some sort, but um but yeah, that's 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 an aspect that Jesus picks up on too. So ah, cool. yet another overlap in our traditions. Look at us being <laughs> we find happy so many. People. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's all for that. You had mentioned, speaking of believing on your feet, yeah. you had mentioned um, some thoughts on advocacy. Yeah, yeah. I kind of wanted to explain to our listeners that one of the things that us clergy do is we advocate, um, and we do it, in a, I think, in a unique way uh, where. Uh, we often, as clergy, recognize that there are vulnerable populations in our community, and we feel like they need they need a voice. Um, and we've put it upon ourselves as part of our calling as clergy uh, to offer that voice in any way that that, that we can to help their situation. Um, and so, you know, it's on a personal level, I often advocate on the behalf of Judaism, right? Because there is anti-Semitism out there, and right. so that's my first and foremost like thing that I do is that if I feel like there's something anti-Semitic going on, I will advocate. I will I will be vocal, um, and I'll use public channels uh, to get my message across. Is it okay if I interrupt for one second? Of course, yeah. Which in advocacy, when I hear the word advocacy, I tend to think of sort of proactive like starting from an internal motivator to affect change or building something new in the world. And I'm not saying that what you just said is different, but it's a different flavor of it yeah. in which you just described also something in response or or defensive sounds wrong, but React, like acting on behalf to protect yeah, yeah. someone from so, yeah, reactionary. I feel like that puts a negative spin on it too. Like, a, <laughs> But those are both important, right? But yeah. don't they feel kind of like different directions? They do, yeah. Did you have yeah. one or the other in mind or both? I had both in mind okay. because I, I mean, I do the other kind you're talking about as well, where yeah. it's more like campaign oriented, I feel like. Right, right. Um, but yeah, but no, I, I think any time when you're speaking truth to power, mm-hmm. uh, you're, you're advocating one way or another. Um, and because you're bringing to light an issue to a larger audience, essentially, yeah. is how I see it. 
Uh, and so, you know, we have, you and I have very public-facing jobs. Uh-huh. And uh, we often uh, use that public-facing job to advocate for the for things, I, that, for change I, we see we need. I think that's where we first met. This is Valentine's Day. Remember. We're recording this on Valentine's Day. Do you remember the day we first met, <laughs> I Abram? I do not remember the day. We, it oh, was man. at a rally at Senator Murkowski's office, and I think the rally was designed to be out on the sidewalk out in front where it faces, yes, you know, where Fifth Avenue turns into that other road. Um and but it was cold, so I think we all went like under the awning or inside. And you were like, "Hey, hi, I'm I'm Abram," <laughs> and I was. And at that point, I already knew Rabbi Michael Obluff, right? Um, my predecessor, but, and, right? Yeah. But I hadn't met you yet. Mentor, so, yeah. yeah. So there you go. Um, but I bring that up because it was at an advocacy style event where we were, I think, advocating for a Medicare support kind of thing. Uh, trying to, to get support for that. I don't know exactly. As, as, I mean, as we're pointing out right now, we have here so many things. We don't yeah. always remember all the things that we... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. There's so much. Yeah. Good golly. Oh, well, there you go. So there we go. So we met, yeah. And we, we met at, a, at an advocacy. At, at, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but, you know, the, I mean, I just want to... So, like, for me, like, that's where I often find myself in the position where I'm like, okay... Um, for some reason, people hate Jews. I don't really understand why. Just hate a sports team, like most normal people should do. I feel like, but whatever. And so when that occurs, I, it's one of my. It's part of my job to to be public facing about how this is happening. Right. Um, not to hide away from it, you know. Um, and I do that because I feel like uh, people who are Jewish should be able to get along with their day without having to be bothered by these these kinds of problems. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, do people within your community or? Do they say something about you doing that? Do they say things like, "Well, you should keep your religion out of politics"? No, no one says that. No one says that to me. Really? Yeah, yeah. From within Congregation Beth Shalom, that makes sense. Yeah. No one says that to you from outside of it. Nope. I get that all the time. I don't get that at all. Oh man! Every yeah. every single time I'm doing something, I can count on an at least one Yahoo. Usually, it's just people online with that benefit of oh, yeah. distance and a keyboard between us. You know, yeah. then they'll say something like that. And often, it's people who also put their faith in politics, just from the different direction. <laughs> so, if I were to say something like, "I am in favor of you know legalizing nuclear weapons for preschools." Um, then they would say, shut up. But then they would say they're opposed to it because of their faith. And right. somehow that's okay. Right. So right. it's, it's more a question of agreement than. And it's a great, another great point. Cause I often feel like, um, you and I especially advocate in what I would call an, an, a, a progressive ecosystem. For sure. Yeah. Right. So like you and I, we're progressive clergy. We, we follow sort of progressive values mm-hmm. and we want those progressive values to be available for all right. people. Um, and so we work in that sort of ecosystem of other sort of, I was progressive advocacy movements. Uh-huh. And we often find ourselves aligned quite quite a bit. Um, so, like you know, another example is that I often advocate for LGBTQ rights as yeah. well. I mean, I mean, my my, my congregation has a large community um, of that, and so you know, this is something that I also work on. So it's not just not just anti-Semitism that I will say something publicly about, but I'll also say something publicly about anything that has to do with right. LGBTQ rights as well. And that's part of my advocacy and progressive ecosystem. Yep, and sort of like one of my, I don't even say like specialties, but like something that I, one of my lanes, something that I focus on specifically. That's a good way to phrase it. Yeah. yeah. Specialty sounds weird as if we went to school for just that issue, right? But <laughs> right. no, yeah. but it's, but it's yeah. a lane. Yeah. And my I think beat, it became, I, guess, my beat, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and for me in particular, that became a lane, not by my own choice. It's not like I said, well, that's something I need to attack, but rather I said, that's something that's being attacked. Yeah. Right. That's a, population that is being attacked. And not only that, but they're being attacked from people who claim to be of my faith. Yeah. Right. And so, and so there are people saying, well, Jesus and the Bible say this about gay people. And so I sort of then feel a heightened responsibility to correct that misunderstanding. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I always quote the Bible whenever like I write a letter or or an Mm op-ed or make a comment about this, just to prove you the same point that like the Bible is full of texts that are about love, about community, about yeah. coming together, about welcoming a stranger, you know. So we can also, you and I can also quote the Bible yeah. like anyone else can mm-hmm. and derive from it beautiful statements right. that, that, that show me that I need to advocate for these vulnerable communities as well. Early on when I was first hired here at this church, it was about 10 years ago, and it was my first role as the, the solo pastor as opposed to being an associate pastor or a youth pastor in some capacity. 
So you kind of learn how to step into that role. Yeah, you it's, know, a gritty, a, it's a gritty role to step into. Yeah, and, there's a, and it's different than <laughs> as a being... Sol, as a, yeah, as a, yeah, yeah. As one solo rabbi, it's and a I gritty was, role. I was thinking about making some comment on some public issue, and my wife Elizabeth, who's also an ordained Presbyterian minister, um, I forget the exact phrase, but it was something along the lines of, why should your voice be directed at this issue. So, you know, there, like any public issue, there are a hundred voices all shouting at the same time. Yeah. And she was helping me to, to utilize some personal filters to say, okay, like maybe I do have some strong feelings about the oil tax policies, but (laughs) by the way, for those listeners outside of Alaska, it's a very common conversation in Alaska. And it was a huge vote coming up right when I was starting out, right? That might've been the issue. And I was like, oh, this has me so frustrated because people are saying ABC when none of that is true. Right. And so I was like, I I feel like I want to say something about it. And she was like, yeah, okay. But why, why would a pastor's voice weigh in on this issue? as opposed to, for example, an oil executive or an environmental specialist. And so I pulled back, right? As opposed to what you mentioned, LGBTQ issues, I'm like, yeah, this one is emanating directly from a Christian identity, yeah. right? And the, the, the harm is coming from churches. And so it does make sense that I step into that one. And so it was, it was an interesting filtering process to say where uh, there's, there's a million things that need advocacy, but where should I lend my voice where it would make the most impact and not dilute my voice to where I'm always spouting off about everything? Yeah, yeah, and that's a hard choice to make, too. Yeah. Like, what, literally, what's your lane? Yeah. Like, um, yeah, I got involved in this group that was about the judiciary and, like, how people are appointed, and I eventually did step back for that reason. I'm like, I'm not contributing anything worthwhile to this group. They're all brilliant. The people running that group were great. But I had nothing worthwhile to say because I'm all about theology. I don't know law. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And and I struggle with this, too. I mean, because I advocate a lot for early education Mm -hmm. and, like, having, you know, trying to to get more resources into early education. You know, here in Alaska, I believe we're in a huge crisis right now. Yeah. We don't have enough early education centers Mm -hmm. uh, for parents to work. Um, and it's, it's contributing to our labor crisis, it's contributing to our, you know, our poor economy, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and like, I find myself always like, cause like our, our, my congregation hosts or, or runs an early education center. So this is, you know, this is definitely something that like I'm close to, um, and really works to be within my lane. Yeah. But those are one of the issues where I, I feel like I'm beating my head against a wall mm-hmm. at the time. Like it's not, it's not like a, a glorious or, or, or super righteous crusade to have um, because not everyone cares about this issue Uh, and there's also great organizations out there like for example Thread uh, who 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 have like a advocacy department and a lobbying department who are doing that work and I wonder I often wonder like you know is it you know what what can I offer that a whole huge institution uh, cannot isn't already offering but then again I I go back to like well my voice just adds an extra layer to this I, I do think that's uh, yeah. a, a strategic thought to have that's really important. There are times when it makes sense to be the lone voice out there, like, uh, uh, well, John the Baptist in, my, in the Christian tradition was the voice in the wilderness, um, which is sort of perhaps a mistranslation of Isaiah that we've brought into <laughs> nice. our, because it's a, I'll get into that some other day. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, Watch out, clergy talking about the Bible, you never know what's going right. to happen. <laughs> but, you know, the, 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 the role of being a prophet, which is just out there without ties, where I am freed to say, here's what I believe is right. And I'm not filtering it through necessarily a group of shareholders that are going to tell me, whoa, tone it down, Jack. You know, um, yeah. sometimes that can be really helpful yeah. Um, yeah. to to be that that challenging voice uh, to afflict the comforted, uh, the comfortable, uh, as opposed to sometimes it's really more powerful to get into a partnership like with Thread, for example, and say, we appreciate what you're doing. Would it help you to have a clergy voice alongside? Yeah, yeah. And it's funny because I often offer that. And people don't know what to, what to do with that, with that offer. Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll say, I love what you're doing. Let, let me. How can I support you? Uh-huh. Um, what can I do to like to like help you with this particular project or or um, thing you're trying to accomplish? It's right in my lane. And they're like, I don't know. You're a clergy. I don't know what to do with you. you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. 
so it is, but yeah, you're right. I mean, I'm always trying to find partnerships. You know, yeah. I'm I'm never trying to write op eds alone. By the you know, I'm always trying to write op eds with like another person that's maybe like more of an expert. You know, so like I go back and forth on that one. Yeah, because there are some times where I just get a bee under my bonnet and I start writing. Yeah. you know, and by the, <laughs> and then I'm pretty much done with it. And then one of my own personal personality flaws is people will offer critique, and I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, you know, in this paragraph here, I think you use this word and you should use this word in a comma. I'm like, no, that's no, like, that's dumb. I wrote it the right <laughs> way and it's good and shut up, go away. <laughs> and so I can be a jerk about it. So, however, if I start off thinking, like you said, yeah. if it starts off being like, this should be from all of Christians for Equality or some other group of whoever. Which, which if you don't know Christians for Equality, it's a group that ironically both me and Matt yeah. <laughs> are in. Uh, and they do, uh, and they're essentially do advocacy work. I mean, it's, what they're, it's one of their things. Yeah. yeah, and the structure is such that I can write something up and then send a draft to everybody and say, hey, you want to sign on to this? And they'll usually say, yeah, and not make a ton of changes. Um, and usually the changes they do mention, I don't, I don't act like a jerk about it. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. so, and so it's, it's been pretty good. And I, th- I do think that has a better impact frequently. Yeah, and I think one of the things that, like, as, as clergy, something that we kind of end up doing is we end up saying this is right and this is wrong. And, and, and like, yeah. uh, it's just, I don't know, it's just kind of our, our, our role. And, and what, I would, what I would say is, like, a, a state or local or, or national conversation is clergy often offers sort of, like, the boundary of what's right. right and what's wrong. Martin Luther King said the church is not the master of the state nor the slave of the state. It's the conscience of the state. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of what we do is is raising that voice of, of the conscience. To yeah. Say, to yeah. say maybe, can, like, maybe you can make some other uh, – choose from a dozen policies, but the one we're currently doing is morally wrong. Right, right. So, like, one example, um, I think you might have a similar example, too, is that I remember during the whole conversation about ranked choice voting and how yeah. it, and it's now trying to be um, uh, repealed. Right. right. And we had a whole, I think we had a whole conversation about this. We did, yeah, because yeah. there was a group involved that was behaving dishonestly. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and that same group, um, one, of the, one of the people who runs it wrote a uh, press release that called, that called a Jewish lawyer right. Soros-funded. Right. Right, and so then I wrote an op-ed to the ADN saying, hey, hey, like, I don't, this isn't about whether I, I care about whether we repeal or keep the interest voting. This is about name calling. You right. don't do that in this conversation. That was wrong. Because, and, I, and for those who don't know, that's a, a anti-Semitic coded yeah, statement. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. And so, and so that's how I advocated in that moment. As, as, and I was saying, hey, here's right and here's wrong. Yeah. You cross the line right. uh, in, in having this conversation. I feel like you and I are often like the referees yeah. uh, <laughs> and, and, like, and that what I, I would say big sort of conversations occurring you know, in mm-hmm. our community. Yeah. And, and a lot of them, I feel like uh, one thing that was good was the minimum wage hike because we all kind of pushed for I think, were you involved in that or was that before you – came on board as the rabbi at CBS? Um, I think I got the, at, at the tail end of that. Okay. Yeah. The, the reason I lifted up as a good thing is because it was a clear, clear uh, strategy and a very clear end moment of the vote went through. And in that case in particular, it won by like 75% of the vote. It was an overwhelming yeah. win and a clear end point, right? Boom, we're done, yay. Yeah. Whereas advocating for LGBTQ rights or anti-Semitism it's pushback, constant. It's constant. Th- there's no end game. Yeah, there's never an end game. Right? I can't, I, I mean, there's legal equality for LGBTQ people. Like there are, there are things they could put there as goals. I, I'm not saying we're there, but there's, you know, there, that, that could be a good end date goal. But then there's still, just like with uh, Jewish people, there's still going to be people in society that are just hating on them. Yeah. And like, for and, no and, reason. And, I, and I feel like it's part of our job to say to, to our community, it's wrong to hate people because they're different. Yeah. That's wrong. Which, <laughs> yeah, that's one of those things where I'm like, do we really have to be saying that we to do. adults? Still? Uh, yes, we like, do. Yes. I can I can understand yes, having to teach that to, to a five year old, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I taught my kids that when they were five, and they were like, "Duh, of course." Can I go on the playground now? Like, yep, you're good, you're done. And but, now here I am dealing with people who are <laughs> seventy five years old, and they're still like, "Ah, oh, I'm so sick of these Lithuanians." <laughs> What? Lithuanians? Don't get me started. Okay. Lithuanians okay. I coming over here, stealing our produce. You know how they are. They're stealing our produce? This will be a whole episode. Oh, no. Lithuanians, hands off my lettuce. <laughs> 
We apologize to any Lithuanian who likes produce. Who they better not be listening to this show. If you're a Lithuanian listener to the show, turn it off now. I don't uh, want yeah, you. Not the first apology I've had to make on behalf of Matt, Pastor Matt Schultz. <laughs> Where is Lithuania? Is that like a Soviet satellite nation? Is it even a nation anymore? Uh, yes, I think. I, yeah, actually, I come from like I have family roots in Lithuania. Right, hold on, I'm gonna put my phone up. <laughs> Siri, where is Lithuania? Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, she showed me a map. Siri, this is an audio medium. It's all, all Siri told me was it's in Europe. Right. Great. Good to, we got that figured out. Case solved. Next case, you know. <laughs> yeah. All right. On to Bolivia. Now, oh, in no. South America. Oh, no. I even forgot what we were talking about, Matt. Advocacy me. and the minimum wage hike. Right, and, right. Oh, and, right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but so, you know, one of the roles that I feel like you and I play, especially in our community, is that we de-escalate. You know, we say, you know, if a conversation is getting too insane, if it's Twitch name calling, mm-hmm. you and I will go out there and we'll say, this, that's too much. Like, like we're trying to have a conversation here and you're, and you're yelling and we can't, we can't like, we can't like, um, have a good conversation if you're yelling all the whole time. Yeah. I often feel like you and I do that, do that job. And I feel like yeah. that is kind of the role that traditionally clergy has had, mm-hmm. uh, in communities is that it's, yeah. it's it's our kind of job to say, okay, this country needs to happen, but if we can't de-escalate things, then it can't happen successfully. One of the, the roles that we are taught to play in seminary, and I'm not sure how similar your, your training is, but they, they use the phrase in one book in particular, the phrase, um, we have to be the non-anxious presence. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I go back to that on a daily basis because people come in, I, I find it's more helpful in a small group setting. As opposed to if we're at a rally where part of the idea is let's get everyone excited, right? Yeah, Come yeah, on, yeah. go team, go, rah, rah, yeah. rah. I was at one once where it was advocating for workers' rights at some sort of uh, protest where the workers are being treated unfairly. And they were doing that chant that says, no justice, no peace. Uh-huh. And I, oh, I love a good chant. when it was my turn to speak, I said, hey, y'all, please don't do that chant anymore because it sounds like a threat. And that's not going to help us be heard. Right. And they, it's not going to help us be the the, the people we want to be. Yeah. Because, honestly, my tradition says that even in the face of injustice, there is peace. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, I, that's that's my that's my requirement as an individual. And I hope you all join in. And there's a lot. I mean, I mean, Martin Luther King and Gandhi and others really pushed that, right? But there you go. I mean, yeah, that's, peaceful that's, protest. that's a great example of you de-escalating that yeah. moment. Yeah. Um, and that's often something that we just... As a service that we provide, so it's a weird combination of de-escalating <coughs> the the angst while still turning up the heat to to put pressure I mean, on the turn those who make heat. change. Yeah, yeah, we turn up the heat for sure. Yeah, um, and that's something that we definitely do to make change. But in a but in a de-escalating kind of way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we just don't use violence yeah. to turn up the heat. Yeah. Um, and uh, and but yeah, I mean, you and I both get angry, yeah. <laughs> and when we do, we we act it, we act on it. Uh, but we don't name call, you know. We right. don't. We don't do anything that's like I don't know, publicly embarrassing. Uh, we we act on our values. Well, that's. I think it was the salt walk that Gandhi did, right? Where the the British colonizers were putting a tax on salt, and so Gandhi just organized poor people to walk to the sea and make their own salt from the water. So they weren't. They weren't pushing anyone. They weren't like attacking yeah. anyone. Yeah. They weren't even changing policy. They were just as a group doing the thing that they'd done for generations. Yeah. Um, that was the language of their protest. So it was in a way turning up the heat yeah. because yeah. they were like, "We reject your authority to prevent us from doing I mean, this." So like, yeah, but like, so like last, I mean, last May when um, there was a whole sort of anti-trans yeah. sort of thing going on and all like, these different state legislators. You know, this is where I decided to host a, a drag story hour mm-hmm. for my religious school. That was the language of my protest. Right, right, right. You know, um, I was like, I want it. I want this to happen more. Yeah, like, and I want it to happen in a religious place mm-hmm. because that's how I'm protesting the fact that that trans people are are people who deserve the rights and dignity and that anyone else deserves. Right, right. Yeah. Well. The world didn't end when he did that. Amazing. Uh, I, assume, I assume you got apologies from all the people that were anti-trans. Oh, oh yeah. They all wrote me handwritten <laughs> apologies. Well, you I, see the tear stains on yeah. the paper. Looks like we were just off base. Sorry. We're going to quit attacking yeah. now. Yeah. I was like, checkmate, you know. <laughs> 
Well, we're going to come back to the topic of advocacy in a future episode, if that's okay, because my son, Andrew, just wrapped up a journalism thing at school. He goes to University of Alaska Southeast, which is down in Juneau, and he kind of helped to shine a spotlight on Title IX and how it was and was not being properly enforced at the school. And it's, in my opinion, a good example of... Uh, turning up the heat in a non-anxious way, a non-violent way, using the power of journalism just yeah. to show, just show here's here is what happens, right? And and not not throwing stones through windows or anything, but rather saying let's take that which is done in the shadows and put it out into the light to see if uh, we want to change. However, it's not yet done. Okay. So this is Looking like a, a preview of coming <laughs> attractions. Once it's wrapped up and I've had a chance to read the final things and, and of course, you know, the school has had a chance to respond and everything. Yeah. I think what my son has done, and I'm biased here as a proud dad, but what he has done has been an excellent example of, of careful, methodical advocacy for a group that was not being properly uh, given justice. Great. And I want, before we end this conversation, I actually want to give you something right now. Um, there's, a, there's a bill going through the House called HB 89. Um, Please explain. I'm not familiar. Yeah, HB 89 is, will sort of change the metrics for um, families that need help with early education. Hmm. Uh, so there's something called a child care grant and, the, uh, and child care assistance. And essentially, if, you're, if your income is a certain level, you can, you can get money from the state yeah. in order to help pay for child care. They're going to change that. That resolution will change the threshold so more families can qualify for that money, which okay. means it'll probably pump in about five million dollars more into the world of early edu- early education. Wonderful. The early education sector. So yeah, it's uh, it's called HB eighty nine. Okay. Um, and it's about to go into the House f- uh, floor, and then it'll go over to the Senate after that. Would this be something that our Alaska listeners could like send an email to advocate for to yeah, say please yeah, support yeah. this? I mean, so like r- right now, I mean, the big conversation, the big advocacy movement is with our public schools, K, K- through twelve, mm-hmm. right? Um, that's a big conversation. Yeah, uh, and I, I honestly think that early education is getting forgotten along the way. Okay, uh, and so I want to highlight HB eighty nine. <clears throat> because I think this is we don't have any real investment in early education in Alaska and it's a real problem um, that's slowly starting to change yeah. uh, but this is something that is like in the works right now and could use support uh, and so I really I really would appreciate people to sort of like talk to their their own state representatives and state senators about HB 89 and how important it is um, it's not a perfect bill like it doesn't offer an, I feel like enough money into the sector yeah. but you know five million dollars is more than zero so right and if that helps you know um, ten or a hundred families I don't know where that money will break down and how but then great that's, yeah. that's a step forward yeah. you know I'm, I'm glad you brought it up this way because in terms of our advocacy work it frequently does come to this sort of thing trying to get a group of people to contact their legislators yes. to to we, ask them to support or work against a certain bill. This is and it and honestly from what I've seen it can really make a difference. Like well, we, it's a we, yeah. yeah. And so I think what you do is we often engage uh, with legislators and we also yeah. engage with the process of legislation as well. Um, and uh, and heck, you know, they're always they're legislators are, are um, and capital buildings are always requiring clergy to offer invocations, right? Yeah. Having, so like you know, there's there's a there's a, a known th- thing there, right? right? That that clergy are involved with with legislation. I've um, ghostwritten a few of the legislators' opening prayers. Oh, have you really? Yeah, there are yeah. a few. I, I won't name names, but you know, they'll right. go up there. They'll be asked to give the opening prayer invocation, and so they'll say, "Hey, uh, you got anything you can yeah. write it for?" I've you? done that too. Yeah, it's kind of fun, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, here's what we should do. We should <laughs> think of a secret word to sneak into the next one we do. Okay, deal. what should that word be? It can't be too insane. Not like, like plus something like that. Right, right. <laughs> but something that maybe doesn't necessarily uh, you wouldn't expect, like waterfall. Ooh. Waterfall? Waterfall. So if you're, I know everyone tunes into those invocations, yeah, and yeah. if you hear the word waterfall in you know, it, you'll know it's either me or Abraham. Two. Okay, <laughs> deal, done. Next time I get asked that question, I'll definitely find a way to put in waterfall. I love that idea. And as we enter into this day of legislating, we pray that we won't go chasing waterfalls. 
we'll what stick to the TLC rivers and reference. Yeah. Even better. <laughs> Let's try and stick TLC references into our. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, have you seen the movie The Other Guys? <laughs> no. Was it TLC or is it Salt and Pepper? <laughs> Somehow I'm going to try to find someone to say like, and there'll be no scrubs in the legislature. You're right. <laughs> That's what it was. In the movie, the other guys, Michael Keaton plays the, it's a hilarious movie. It's a spoof of cop movies. Michael Keaton plays the chief, and he keeps on putting in song references from, I think it's Salt and Pepper. Oh, yeah. Peppa. Um, and everyone says to him, why Why did you put in that reference? He goes, what are you talking about? I don't know what you mean. That wasn't a reference. Gaslighting <laughs> like it out. Yeah. Yeah. And at the end, he calls everyone to business. He's like, all right, ready. Here's the plan. Boom, boom, boom. Y- y'all ready? Shoop. Let's go. <laughs> and everyone's like, you just said shoop. That was a Salt and Pepper song. Yeah. I will definitely get that for Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, watch out, legislators. You start asking for, for, for invocations yeah. from us. It's going to get silly. That's right. Well, we do have two other topics to cover. Okay. And I think the next one that makes sense to go to, since we're on the topic of advocacy, is we have kind of a two pronged um, event coming up, part of which is get out the vote. Yeah. And so we are advocating for people to, to get involved in the Anchorage, Alaska municipal election. It's basically just uh, the mayor's office, although there's a couple other things. If you're from Eagle River, you can elect a new assembly person. And okay. someone said there might be a school bond on there, maybe. Um, but the you know the main event, the big dog in this fight, is the mayoral office. Um, uh, mayor Bronson is running for re-election, and there are maybe five other candidates, but really three serious other candidates. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so we are advocating to everyone to get out the vote. Obviously, as Abram said before, we're both on the progressive side of things. We probably each have our favorites. Um, but but in terms of clergy, there are certain rules we have. From the pulpit, we can't advocate for a certain candidate. That's uh, that's an Ameri- it's a U.S. law right. called the Johnson Amendment. And in, in, in a synagogue, is it called a pulpit? Is yeah, there a different same, word? Yeah, okay. And we call it the Bema, but whatever. The Bema, okay. Thing. So, um, oh, and it's Valentine's Day. Bema Valentine. <laughs> You're hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, the, uh, you know, but outside of the pulpit, I probably could say I support candidate A or B. I'm not yeah. going to say I take because I just don't feel like it, but I have my, my favorite that I'm pulling for. We do have a voting system here where it goes to a runoff in the top two, right? Get moved on, I think. That's what I understand, yeah. Um, so that's good. Um, I, I hope that works in our favor um, because there are, you know, there are certainly um, there's at least one candidate that I'm very much opposed to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so so if you're listening, please do vote. We're also doing an event. Hold on. Before we yes. get to a couple things about voting. From what I understand, there's no polls. It's, it's all mail in. Right. Right. So something to remember, if you're if you're into going to polls. Watch out, because I don't think there are, there are any polls. It's time. all mail-in, it's and all you in. can still go to the election center and they help you fill one fill out there out and hand it in. in. Yeah, but yeah. but it's I feel like it's different every year. Yeah, and that's problem. That's yeah. problematic. And so, I think they're going to actually put a voting booth on the back of a food truck and drive it around town, and you just yeah. have to chase it. Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's hilarious. But <laughs> listeners, if if you hear differently. Um, let us know, yeah, because it's really important that we get this right. Um, because the whole the whole part of being able to vote is you know knowing how to vote, um, and and if they're changing if the if the voting gets changed it from year to year, it makes it more yeah. complicated. Uh, and so we just want to be as crystal clear as possible, and and just say that like it's you know uh, mail-in voting is, is awesome, and it should be the way of the future. Yeah. Oregon's done it for years, and they have such high turnout because of it. We uh, had someone come in and explain it. Um, Certainly pre-COVID. I forget exactly when it was, but it was one of the years where we had big changes. Yeah. And so we had someone from, I think from the state, they have someone who's like an outreach coordinator kind of person, came out and explained to our congregation, here's how it works. Um, I think we might have like officially closed the worship service and then had her speak just because it felt weird to do it as during the worship service. You know, there there are some boundaries there. Um, But the whole, the whole, everyone stayed and listened and it was really well done. So if y'all... You know, maybe consider that. Like, reach out and have them come speak to your groups. And, yeah, yeah, yeah that would be good. It was, it was that'd good. Be really good. Um, but yeah, I just I just want to keep everyone informed yeah. and make sure we're all informed about about how this process works. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Along with that, we are also doing a vigil, um, and the vigil has really you know more than one purpose. I think everything that we do has more than one purpose. The primary purpose is it's a, a service of remembrance 
for people in Anchorage who have passed away due to being homeless and outdoors during this horrible winter. Um, depending on where you draw the calendar lines, we're looking at between 50 and 60 people. Now, in the midst of that, we're also going to have a get out the vote message as a part of it, um, because in my opinion, a, a lot of those deaths were uh, either caused by or certainly made more likely by certain policies that are in place. Yeah. Um, and uh, so this visual is going to be on March 30th at, uh, is it? at 1 p.m. at um, United. Uh, you know what? You talk for a minute and I'll look up the, all the specific. Yeah. yeah. I want to make sure I get the address. <laughs> you want me to vamp for a moment? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come on, man. Make something up. Make well, up gonna, a limerick. We're going to call this uh, vigil. I think no more deaths is what we're looking at. That's and the yeah. name for it. Um, and yeah, once again, this this is our, a vigil is a is a language of protest. Yeah, uh, and you know, in in the act of honoring those who have passed away, we also don't want it to happen in the future. Uh, and, so, and and uh, just to, to highlight that, it's vigil is an act of protest. I think people want to dissect that organism and say no, no, no. You light your candle and keep it in your house of worship, and it should not ever leave there. You just do your religious thing and keep it out of our policy, right? I think people want to keep those things separate. And, yeah. and of course, you and I both think separation of church and state is a process that matters, right? That's oh, yeah. important. Especially in schools. However, that doesn't mean that we uh, cut off our voices, right? right? And right. so a moment like this where there are 50 people dead— of course, we look at the cause and say, "How do we prevent it from yeah. happening again?" The, yeah. the, they are definitely intertwined. Um, so the 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 vigil will be at, as you said, First United Methodist Church, and the address is seven twenty five West Ninth Avenue. Those of you here in town, it's right on the park strip. It's right across the park strip from our church. We've talked about uh, like ways to, to cooperate more. I'm happy to see doing this. I think it might be cool to do like a zip line between our two buildings, <laughs> right across the traffic. Yeah, <laughs> for yeah. Um, but that that's uh, I think going to be a meaningful event. March 30th from 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. So it's an afternoon event, yeah. and um, I do hope you'll all come out. I think for a population like our homeless neighbors. I think it matters if we turn out to show them respect because respect has so often been denied to them. And so just to say their lives, those lives that were lost mattered. And for those homeless people that show up to participate in that remembrance, let them know they matter too. Yeah. And it's an opportunity to show compassion for these, for yeah. these deaths that occurred, right? That like we shouldn't, we shouldn't be cold to the, to, to deaths occurring in our city or uncaring about that problem, we should right. we, we should be caring a lot, and the vigil offers a moment to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so also really important. Yeah. All right. Anything else we have on the uh, on the agenda? Well, it depends on how much time you want to spend because uh, this is February fourteenth, and just about three days ago we had the Super Bowl. Oh right. Yes. There's one more thing on the agenda. Yeah. yeah so do we have time for that? Is that we good do. to go? Yeah, All right. So that. yeah. So the Super Bowl happened. I didn't watch it. Not only are we cable cutters in my house, so I think we have ESPN though. I don't even know what network it was on. I'm just not a big NFL fan. I could care less what they yeah. what those big meatheads are doing, slamming their helmets into each other. I'm like, all right. <laughs> I feel like every year Y'all enjoy. we have this conversation <laughs> after the Super Bowl. <laughs> now, actually, no. I, I and actually, I should. I was being funny, but I don't think they're meatheads. I think a, a lot of of the NFL folks are absolutely brilliant. I mean, the players, well, a lot of them come through and they're geniuses, but the tragedy is the game injures their brains. It's and called so, CRT. Right, yeah. and the the powers that be within the league make too much money to change anything to help protect those precious brains. And so that's troubling for me. And so you'll see in the game a, like a high-speed helmet-to-helmet tackle and they're all like whoa that's awesome look at these men fighting it out and they'll replay it a billion times in slow motion and all i can think is that poor guy is going to have a lifetime of symptoms and potential suicide and all these horrible things that come from the fact that (laughs) other people made a billion dollars off of his head injury this just it just like sucks all the fun out of the moment matt when you say it It does it really does well it's like trying to listen to a bill cosby album right now it's like "Mm, you know what there's too much context there's too much context here oh man and so watching the super bowl is how i feel also um and and i this as a person who does appreciate taylor swift but nevertheless i didn't watch the game and so um however i was made aware because of you know the internet um that there was yet another ad campaign. I think they did this last year by a group uh, calling itself He Gets Us. Yeah. 
He's referring to Jesus. I think referring to Jesus, yes, of yes. course, the groups that created this campaign would also refer to God as a male. Yeah. Um, which is part of the problem here is that he gets mm, a us gendered God, yes, gender, gendered God. Well, not not that so much as the fact that it comes from a specific splinter of the theological spectrum, right? That was, can you say that three times fast? A specific splinter of the theological spectrum, but that's, a, that's <laughs> all I mean. Um, and I say splinter because it is small and it is fragile. And <laughs> this small. this group that. <clears throat> puts forward their belief in what God is. If you look at the, the the total opus of their work out there in the world, it is very much anti-LGBTQ. It is very much... What, what group... What, is this group have a name? Like, like, you're talking about like Christian nationalists? It's a cloud. It's a, it's a group of different groups and organizations that have intentionally tried to obfuscate and inveigle. <laughs> inveigle? Is yeah. that a word you made up? No. Oh. I learned it on an episode of the X-Files. Okay. Anyway, they... Um, Random. Yeah. yeah. So they... It's a group of uh, people like the Alliance Defending Freedom, I think it is. Uh-huh. Um, and they they are huge contributors against marriage equality for gay people, okay, for so, example. So, so, Chris, so these are Christian conservatives. One of them labeled a hate group, at least one, a minimum of one, labeled a hate group by the Southern Poverty Law And so a whole bunch of others that are similar, have similar political thrusts that would for sure put them in the realm of, I would say, extreme conservative Christians that would be anti-Black Lives Matter protests and would be anti-LGBTQ people, um, uh, decidedly um, anti-abortion access, Right. right? It's kind of our polar opposites, huh? Yes. Now, if they want to put out a commercial saying, here's what we believe— all those things, okay, sure. that's that's their right. They yeah. can spend their money how they want to spend it. The thing that bothers me is the – well, two things. As an artist, they used AI images. Did they really? In the commercial, obvious AI images that didn't look that good. I'm not anti-AI in art. Uh, I think there's it's a, it's a medium like any other, and you can use it well or use it poorly. They used it poorly. Christians, get better at art. Holy <laughs> smokes. Your music just sucks and oh, your no. movies just suck. Oh, and no. yeah. <laughs> As yeah, uh, that's again a topic for another day. But this was an example of contemporary Christian art that's just crummy. And it was played during the Super Bowl. Played during like the it, Super Bowl. Just like and it was last year, right? Yeah, it and it's it, different commercials this time through. But they presented uh, an image from the Gospels of Jesus washing his disciples' feet, which is an act of humbleness and yeah, the, yeah. the the leader being the servant and caring and loving in an intimate way. It's a, a very meaningful and beloved part of the gospel story right at the end of Jesus's earthly life. It's one of my favorite moments in the Jesus story. So they utilize that imagery. Again, that's fair game. They're, yeah, they're Christians. Yeah. They can they can interpret it as they wish. But they put it into the context of a Black Lives Matter protester having their feet washed by a police officer, I think. In oh, my so they're kind of like these role reversals. Sort of. Like a, and like, then a, outside of a outside of an abortion clinic, this like love and, and camaraderie and again, if that's what their other ministries were about, I might feel kind of okay with that. If their whole thing was about, you know, like acceptance and, and uh, we see that your point of view is is good. But they've spent their whole ministries demonizing anyone who supports abortion rights and demonizing gay people. So then why, why would they? And then to put out this commercial that yeah. looks like, hey, we're open and inclusive and, all, you know, everybody is beloved and you're all part of the family. That then directs them to the He Gets Us website, which directs them to resources and groups that are very much the opposite of what that AI commercial schlock was presenting. But why bamboozle people in this way? Um, I don't know is the true answer. Okay. I have a guess. Yeah. And so take this with the grain of salt that it deserves. Um, in my opinion, they are looking at the same cataclysmic loss of membership that most religious groups in the U.S. Uh, are looking yeah. at. Yeah. And uh, there was a spell when liberal churches were decreasing in membership and conservative churches were not. And they wielded that like a mighty, mighty scepter of God's own judgment saying, look, conservatives are right. We're growing. It turned out they were just slightly behind the curve. And in the last uh, year or two, they have shed literally millions of members. Have they really? Oh, yeah. The Southern Baptist Convention in particular as allegations of their sexual abuse scandals have we, come out. Uh, they're just losing it left and right. And I think they're panicking and saying, maybe we can bring people in, but it might not hurt to have a, a like a front door welcome sign 
to at least get those gay people in the door uh, before like we tell them how sinful they are. In my opinion, it is a straight up bait and switch. They need members. And they are recognizing that if they go on the Super Bowl and say, hey, gay people are evil, they're not going to get members. But if they go on there and try to present themselves as if they're moderates, they might. And and I think that's what they've done. They've put out a clear and obvious bait and switch. But they're going to create so much harm in the process. That's why I hate these it, commercials. Make it worse. Yeah, exactly. Them. They're going to hurt people because there are going to be gay people out there who see those commercials and think, you know, maybe I am going to give this Jesus thing a try. Uh, I've been wondering about it because there are people of all sexualities across the spectrum around the country who recognize deep within themselves that they have a soul and it's hungry and it needs some sort of community to help it feel fulfilled yeah, and nourished. Yeah. yeah. And so they're looking for where to reach out and they might be there sitting, watching the Super Bowl and they see that commercial and they think, huh, that seems reasonable and inclusive. Maybe I have a home there. And they're going to get to that place that presented itself as if it's a loving home and they're going to get mistreated. And that pisses me off. Yeah. It's abuse. It's abuse. It is. It abs- it's abuse. It's lying. Spiritual abuse. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's a terrible thing. So if you see those commercials, don't be bamboozled. You know, if those commercials resonated with you, go find a place that actually lives out what those images were trying to portray. Because they're out there. I, I would venture, I would I would suggest that Abram and I are parts of religious <laughs> communities that do that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Michael Burke at St. Mary's, I can't think of a more accepting open place, right? Yeah, yeah. And so if you're looking for a place where you can go be your true self, and be accepted in a spiritual com- community. Come oh my our, golly, there's so many yeah. of them. There yeah. are so many out there, and just don't don't fall for a Super Bowl commercial because. And and I'm sorry to break anyone's spirits here, but also Pepsi's not as good as they make it seem on those commercials in the Super Bowl either. So good. Bud Light actively sucks, regardless of having a trans spokesperson or not. It's just the shittiest beer, and so <laughs> uh, so you know don't believe any Super Bowl commercials. They're all lying. <laughs> this one is no exception. <laughs> I don't know. I, Pepsi looks so good in those commercials. I'm not going to lie. There's a reason why if you go to a restaurant and say, can I have a Coke? And they say, is Pepsi okay? <laughs> they know it's not, but it's all they got. And so there's a reason Bud Light sells for like 30 cents per can. But then I, this morning I sent you a, a news article saying that the conservative Christian groups are seeing this commercial. And <laughs> I they're, know. And they're not liking it. Like so this is hilarious because, yeah, they're, the conservative groups are saying, why are you being so wishy-washy? Why are you putting out that nonsense? You know, like the images should have been the, you know— them like graffitiing on the abortion clinic and saying all this hateful stuff like it was too inclusive. So I think that's funny. And I think it's kind of funny when bad people uh, slap each other in public. (laughs) So, you know, y'all keep on fighting because you're exposing yourselves as defining yourselves not by your love for God, but rather your hate for the people who are outside of your own little bubble of society that you find acceptable. Keep on exposing that because you're going to keep on shedding members to more healthy communities. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. Public service announcement, everyone. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that about wraps up what we want to chat about today. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, if, you're, if, you, if, you, if you stayed on this long, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, and I just also want to offer a big thank you uh, to James Brown, who designed our logo, and the Mutual Bros for our music. Yes, you thank you both. you gratitude to offer... Uh, thank uh, you to both of them, and thank you to, yeah, I do, actually. I want to say thank you to First Presbyterian Church of Anchorage, Alaska. That's my home church community that allows me to be their pastor. It's been a really great year, and we're looking forward to a great year to come. However, tonight, I leave for vacation. <laughs> and uh, so not only is my church super good about that, like, they don't just allow vacation. They encourage it, yeah. and they say, listen, dude, you haven't taken enough time off recently. Go rest. Um Awesome. But they also, awesome. you know, not every community does this, but they also, the compensation, the the salary I receive is very fair and kind, and it allows us to take an actual vacation. And I recognize that that's a privilege. Yeah. Not only, not all clergy have that, but not all, any job has that, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so I'm feeling extremely grateful for my church that cares for me so well, um, financially and spiritually, to, to, to have me take these Sabbath times 
to go rest and recharge. I find myself already excited to come back to work in a couple of weeks. Not that I'm going to skip my vacation. I won't. Don't, you know, but, don't skip um, But it's just a beautiful thing to recognize how very, very lucky I am to have this particular call. Yeah. Um, so, so thank you, First Presbyterian <laughs> Church. I truly, truly do love you. And we're going to need you when you come back, so hopefully you're rested, Matt. I will come back. I've got so many fun ideas. We're going to have a blast. All right. Thank you, everyone. Thanks. <laughs>